and we are live. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Mecca of Banter. I am your host this week, Andy Hoover. More than happy to be sitting in the captain's seat. Um, didn't have a great day today, though, lads. I, I will not lie about it. I had a rough Monday, um, mostly in part to St. Louis City and the performance that we witnessed last night in the freezing rain. Uh, but we'll get to that. Let's uh, let's check in with everyone. Winks, how you doing today, buddy? What's up, brother? Yeah, I'm despite uh, despite that horrid game last night. Feeling pretty good about the weekend overall. Um, yeah, three points, but excited to more so talk through the uh, the city game for sure. That was symbolic. Yeah, good to see you guys though. Symbolic indeed. Good to see you, Hen. What's going on, my man? What's up, y'all? Um, Hen here. Like. It's kind of crazy. We we're definitely we're going to touch on Manchester United and the City game for sure. But like normally, I start off the whole thing with like it's a great week to be a Manchester United fan. But like I literally haven't stopped thinking about the St. Louis City game. Um, I haven't stopped thinking about it since last night. And similar to you, I like hate it. Um, I don't know if I felt like physically ill from a game yet. And I literally can't stop thinking about St. Louis City. It's like it's, as if it's our Roman Empire. It's like that game yesterday, and I'm disgusted. <laughs> so talking about it today, we're gonna we're gonna get into it. But yeah, it's wild today. I I completely agree. Um, just off the rip, it's like we we've done this whole season, and that's what we were treated with. Like yes. that was the first round of the playoffs. But Nikki, what's up, my man? Yeah. Um, as miserable as last night was, I had a miserable weekend to start off with Chelsea as well. So um, just shit performances from the clubs I support this weekend. Um, I would say happy to be here, but uh, I know you guys will probably rip into me about the Chelsea game. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, at Hafey4 on Twitter as always. But I mean, the St. Louis City game, uh, I think you guys kind of said it already, but happy to talk about it. Yeah, I, I uh, when Hen asked me to host this one, I was having a hard time even like thinking that I wanted to be here in the first place. <laughs> I was like, dude, it's just I've never felt so sick. So we'll we'll just go straight into it. Um, St. Louis and Kansas City faced off in the first round of the playoffs last night. We were stuck with the 9 p.m. kickoff for the West Coast live television viewing slot. Wild. Um, it was 38 degrees. It was pouring rain the entire time, and we got played off of our own park. Yeah. Uh, um, Kansas City scored three in the first half uh, through some questionable refereeing, maybe. Uh, but at the end of the day, they they let that one completely go. Carnell got it wrong. Uh, we ended four to one. The over did hit is the only silver lining that I was able to do in this one in the first half. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, Hent, whoever, hop, hop in here because we've got some things to say. The the first thing I wanted to hit before we just kind of rip into St. Louis City, the fact that the game was at nine o'clock on a Sunday really irks me because I I think I think the time and the the weather and everything definitely affected the atmosphere at city park. I, I hate to say it, but like tickets were available 
for 70 bucks at game time. So like some people were not going to show up. Like if this was a prime time, like, yes, I'm not going to say like, even if it's raining at, at seven o'clock, I feel like more people are going to show up, but a nine o'clock game on a Sunday when a lot of people have worked the next day, I think is BS. Like, I don't understand why we had that time slot. Um, the, the only, the only reason I can think of is because we blew away the MLS in terms of attendance and, and selling out throughout the season. And so as far from like a business perspective, I kind of get it because it's like, if we have to put a game on that late, I don't think on, you have on a to. Sunday. That's the problem. I don't and, and, may, and maybe you don't, but uh, you know, I'm still learning the whole playoff schedule for the MLS. But as, as far as I, from what I can tell, it's got to be, if anything, it's got to be one of those things like what what team or teams can we put on that late that we're still going to get a lot of people watching it online and or people showing up and filling out the stands. And I don't think that any other matchup besides, um, you know, this this Missouri rivalry between us and KC would have fit that bill in addition to the kind of attendance that we've provided as a city all season. Well, I think that's whack. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it just as much as you do, but that's I like mean, the one reasoning I, I could I, say. I just feel like from an overall business perspective, like the number one seed or whatever, like the number one it, seed in the MLS should have prime time. Yeah. What are we talking 100%, 100%. about? It's a rivalry just, too in playoffs. What what are we talking about? I just yeah. I was upset with that. But stemming off of that and into the game, from the get-go, I was texting you guys. I did not like the starting lineup. I thought Carnell got it wrong. I will blatantly say it. I, I think Stroud is a great sub, but I don't think he should be in the starting lineup in our first playoff game. Um, I think we needed a better midfield. I also think our midfield looked really lazy. Like I didn't see any energy or any fight. And I just, I, I don't know what was going on. I think Carnell got it wrong from the, from the get. So the thing with my, my point on the lineup is I wasn't as surprised to see it because we had played that lineup previously this year, like like yeah. a lot of the, those same guys and a lot of those same positions. So from my point of view, it was something kind of back to what we'd known. Um, it, it didn't work though. We, we had so much of the ball, um, but, and it's not really like Kansas city sat in a low block. They, they picked their moments with their possession, um, but we had so much of the ball. There was no creativity, but you're right. The, the what killed us was the defensive mistakes and the lackadaisical defending. Um, it, the, every single goal was a calamity of errors. Yeah. Um, from Nilsson to Parker to Blom, I thought Blom had a shocker. Um, there, there's not really anything super positive that I can pull from it at all. And I don't want to just sit here and list names of guys, <laughs> but you know, to have low and go missing like that well, is. Yeah. A huge I think, issue. I think he goes missing because of the lineup. I think we not us not having three in the mid in the middle, like it put him and Blom, it stretched them so much. They're running a bunch. And I, I I didn't like it from the rip. I just I thought and then I expected him to make a change and like his changes were in the seventy third and like in the fifty ninth he took our wing backs off. And I'm like, I don't know if those are the right subs there. Like I just I didn't agree with some of the decisions that Carnell made in this game. Yeah, I on paper, I guess the I guess the only person that I was really surprised to see in the starting lineup was Jackson. And the the reason that I say that is because like uh 
we play so much better with Giacchini on the field. Um, we've played better with Sam on the field next to Klaus. I was about Jackson, to say, I thought like Sam would be it for sure. You know, you mentioned Stroud off the bench. I don't mind that shout at all. I agree with you. I think he brings on fresh legs, but Jackson, I think he burst onto the scene being like really praised for like that hard work and he can make something happen. He doesn't have the final ball in him. He's proven that all season. Like, I think we get a little bit distracted a little bit that, you know, he's quick, he's shifty, he can make something happen, but like, he is not a finisher. He's also not a creator. So like when you watch his possessions, they might move forward, but they don't really do a whole lot in possession for the team. Like, so I think he's a young kid. I believe in his future. I don't know why he plays through the middle as a number 10. I don't get that. Like, I think you throw him out on the. Oh. The game like he takes guys on and there's that. I think Jackson could thrive in that space, but like, I was surprised to see him. Um, and I was shocked to not see a halftime adjustment. I thought shocked. I would have, I would have put, so much more money than I put on the money line for St. Louis on a a mid uh, a halftime substitution of Jackson and Stroud um, for Giacchini and then maybe even Sam like what however we want to change the lineup or maybe it was a different winger I don't know but like I would have put any amount of money on that happening and it just didn't happen so like what's What's hard um, is like we all know ball. We've watched it. We've played it. We we get the game. I couldn't tell you what our plan was going <laughs> forward at any point of that game. There was no let's get it wide. Let's get crosses in or like let's link up through the middle or let's overload one side or let's play a long diagonal. Like there was just no strategy and it was shocking. It was so hard to to watch. And then also, like, I can be – I don't know. I'm kind of, like, going on a tangent here. But, like, at different times, I think we've kind of, like, taken our foot off the gas of being critical of this. But, like, whenever this season as, as a whole, whenever we've gone down or whenever we've been playing poorly, we have guys on our team that try to overplay. So, like, Lowen and – or Leuven and Klaus are two of those guys that whenever we're down, they're like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Klaus almost got away with it a couple of times. He put yeah. a couple of shots in that were nuts. But, like, Leuven trying to, like, pick up the ball at the 18-yard box and then cut back to his right foot at, you know, 25 yards out just to – turn the ball over when all he had to do was just play the ball out wide. Like those are our dogs letting us down. Like that is inexcusable in a playoff setting. So like me, like it was so embarrassing watching that game last night and being there and like feeling like we were going to put in a result. And like you mentioned it in your intro who like there were some big guys that really let us down from individual mistakes. It sucked. The, the in a lot of times we see a a fight back where there's a lot of emotion and a lot of passion a lot of fight it it felt like that wasn't there either and this is the third fourth game in a row that we felt that way one like you said we felt that the game plan if there was one was non-existent it, there was no objective with the ball and what they were trying to do going forward but that's happened for three straight maybe four straight games now yeah 
where, like, what had to have happened to where we just threw away the identity that we'd had all season to try and change how we play for playoffs? Like, was that the plan? Like, wh- uh, what is the thought there? Like, I, I try to, obviously, like, we sit here every Monday and try to, like, yeah. dissect this this thought process. But, like, we have what makes us successful as a team, and then we abandon it. And, like, tracing it back, I mean, last week we were, we were critical about how, like, when we look at the last 15 games, we've won, like, three of them or four of them or whatever it is. We've dropped points in every single other one. And, like, kind of right around that time, earlier in the season, we were balling. Klaus gets injured. Giacchini steps up. And then, like, that was going yeah. really well. We were all looking forward to Giacchini and Klaus playing with each other. Klaus comes back, Giacchini gets injured, happens, no worries. But since he's been back in the lineup, since he's been available, Carnell isn't playing Giacchini and Klaus together anymore. It's like Sam's playing up there or Jackson's playing this second striker role. Like, I don't know what the thought process is and like the personnel decision because like Giacchini, even in this game, like he comes on the field and not like he scores a goal or anything, but he picks up like six fouls in the offensive zone for free kicks in a wet surface where anything can happen. I just like, I can't wrap my head around the thought process for that happening. And then also we haven't even talked about it yet. And this might be like a hot take. I don't know. Berkey had a shocker too. Like he did not have a good game. Like that first goal guy hit the shit out of it. Guy hits that shot against me. I'm like, Yo, maybe uh-huh. tip your cap, but when you watch it from behind, Berkey should have had it covered. Like, I'm not a keeper. Like, I don't know. And on the second goal, I kind of have a little bit more empathy for the guy because, like, what I've learned over time is when balls get shot in the box through three guys, you're kind of playing for a deflection. You're, like, waiting for a deflection. And by the time it gets through the last defender, you're, like, you have to react in point zero seconds to to do it. But, like... Third goal from distance. Fourth goal, he just gets hung out to dry on the back. Like, nothing you can do on the fourth goal. But first and third, he should have done better on. And, like, again, one of our dogs that kind of let us down, his distribution was terrible last night. Like, passes out of bounds, hitting guys in the back off of a punt. Like, not good. Um, And I don't want to sound, like, overly critical or whatever, but it's like, like you said, like, we've watched the whole season of, like, this team, we've waited for this moment and us, like, tried it going into the playoffs. And, like, now we're like, are we even going to get past Kansas City, who, like, at one point in the season, we were fucking battering for how shit they were. And now it's like, they look like they've, they're that, they're them. And we, we look terrible. So, so obviously nothing went right that game, but what? You know, we we can sit here and and talk shit and stuff, but something's got to change. Obviously, going into next game. So, what do you guys think that is? Obviously, the lineup has a lot to do with it. Who we choose to play, and hopefully, that you know exactly what happened causes Carnell to rethink um, rethink that. But what do you what would you guys like to see next game? Knowing that it'll be away in Kansas City, hopefully, we get a better game time and and more city fans show up there than kc fans like last time we played there but what what needs to change that that might be the hardest question like i i don't know what i saw there there was nothing that i saw last night to build on um i think i think i'm worried about nilson and parker so yeah. i think uh i i think you know Wait, say more about that. Like you said that in the chat and like, I haven't really like fully wrapped my head around it. Like say more about that. 
Taylor Twelman tweeted it, and I I don't know I don't know how I feel about it yet either. But he said something about how the chemistry between Nilsson and Parker has been a little, little bit off. You know, a lot of times uh, Nilsson's covering these these you know spaces that he knows to cover as a European trained center back. And Tim Parker doesn't know how to cover him on the underneath side. Like Tim Parker's way more on the ball, throwing tackles. And that's totally okay if they're on the same page about it. So I think a lot of times they're too distant uh, in the transition where either Nilsson's stepping up and Parker's not got the juice to get back. Um, Which we've called out before. We've literally talked about that before. Yeah, I say, I, the only that's the only change I could see, and I and I love Timmy Parker on corners and providing some energy every once in a while. But defensively, man, his marking and his shape—holy! It's Henry. Every time I'm imagining Corn yelling at us for our line bro. and not being in a straight line, and like Timmy Parker wouldn't play. That, yeah, dude, I, it, it blows my mind sometimes the man's positioning as a center back. So, I, and I think Josh brings pace uh, to the back line. I think he brings, um, you know, calm passes out of the back. I, and Nielsen does too. I don't think I'm discrediting him out of that. But I think just for where we're at right now, it's it's got to be Josh and someone else because Josh has the speed to, to make up for the issues and, and mistakes that happen between the two center backs. Um, and and he's, I don't think he's as risky with passes, with – I, you know, I think he's no nonsense, and in this reverse fixture, we're we have to be risk adverse. Like yeah, it's got to be Josh and Nilsson. Has I, to be. That's what I think. Um, and and to be honest, that's what we've said for weeks. Yeah. You know, quote me on this podcast. I know for a fact that we said our best center back pairing is Josh and Nilsson. Um, yeah. I think that has to change. I think you have to see Big Sam or Giacchini. Yep. Um, has to. They're like. Big Sam's done too much to to not you know to have earned that starting job at least for this game, um, and then you know play with those guys. We see we saw some of the best uh, combination play with with Klaus and Sam on the field when Sam makes deep runs and Sam's rapid and he will get into those back lines into those corner pockets and then you find whoever's underneath him low and like Nick said should probably be higher up the field with somebody else backing him up and then you've got your creative brazilian in the middle like it, it just there just needs to be some cohesion getting the ball to klaus like I, the ball has to get to klaus yeah um and you're right he and he will pull things off like if if we give him enough touches in the box he'll score some ridiculous goals he almost did last night too um yeah, yeah. i don't know i'm sick about it my my thought is also we didn't talk about Markanich. Guy had a, a shocker, and it was one of the things too. Like we we've actually given him a ton of props on this podcast about like how refreshing it is to see him like get into good spaces, make good passes. Guy couldn't pass the ball to save his life. Like I actually felt bad for him, and like I know Nick, you said earlier that like in the fifty something minute, you don't want to see our wingbacks being taken off. For me, I was like, this is not his game. Like I. I love Markanich and I, I can't wait for him to play again this weekend. And I believe in him for the future, but like, man, if there was ever a, a shocker to have, that was, that was it. I hate to say it. I thought that was one that Carnell got wrong off the rip. Who would you have rather put there? See that. And it's funny. I was, that's why I was stopping and thinking of like, 
is a back five an idea? I, I'd be so scared if we brought that fat back five back. Yeah. Because no, I, you're, I, mean, you're, I know. And it, it's funny because that's what I was thinking. And I was like, all right, who am I going there instead? But that's why I think that's why I said the sub. Like, I don't think we should be picking a left back as our sub when we're down we should be subbing. Dude, I, I get that. He he couldn't pass the ball. I, no, I like, agree with you, but I'm saying like he got that's a decision from the beginning that I think. Yeah. Kyle Hebert coming on isn't I, you know Kyle Hebert's fault. Like yeah, yeah, that's not a not a good look. But for me, I, I'm starting Berkey, Markanich. I'm going Nilsson, Yarrow. Maybe I'm Jake. going Watts. Dude, I don't know. Jake had a tough one too. Like, like, I mean, I all think, four goals happen on Jake's side. Like, you can't yeah. ignore that. Like, no. all four goals came for that. And like, he was not no every not every goal was his fault. But when you no. look at the four goal scores and like the four goals all coming from him, like, or not from him, but from his side, like that is something to look at. Um, so maybe I am bringing in Watts, and you say like we're going balls deep, and like that's that's what we're doing. Um, but like, if it's me. Playing Blom as like a true holding six, like almost like a, a four one four one. Yeah. Um, Blom as a six, put Leuven and probably Giacchini. Like maybe it's a four four one one. I don't know. Giacchini in the middle. I'm putting someone on the left, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll put Vasilev out right, and then okay, Klaus. Hear me out. Middle. Back five. Yarrow in. Lewin, Blom, Vasilev, Klaus, Big Sam up top. Who's our back five? I like who's who's on the, the same back? one of last week, and then you put Yarrow in. I think if we do a back five, that's a Keel Watts nation. Yeah, yeah, that's it, what it, it, because Yarrow can cover that like right side. He'll have enough. He's got enough creativity to because I I wing, think but... Lowen needs to be up up the field. Like I think I just. He, he really needs to be a cam, and that's why I like I was thinking, what's the? We have to have three in the midfield if we want that to happen. I think he, I think there does need to be three. I don't know how much I don't know how much they the the wide players would be able to contribute to low and being able to get the ball forward. But right. I also I also like don't have any other options. I don't have any other ideas. Yeah. <laughs> like not you know if I if they put me in the locker room tomorrow, I would ask the guys and be like. What do you guys yeah, want to do? Straight like, up, how do you feel? Like this is this is one of those situations where it comes down to like, what what did we do this season that was the best? Like, let's look at our best stretch of run mm-hmm. and who was playing. Like, go back to whatever we had when it was. There, there's been no consistency. Yeah, I, I also like, think as much as we're talking about changing the lineup up, at the end of the day, the guys had to come out and play, and they did not. Yeah, no, they didn't. It wasn't there didn't. Like, one of them? Like, regardless of how much we want to switch up the lineup, like, people have to step up in this next game and play better. I think this team's so interesting, too, because all three of you, and myself included, if you asked us to list out your strongest English team, 11, like, I'd have no problem doing it. Like, I I would be able to throw down 11 guys easily. I still don't know what our strongest 11 is. Right. Like, I haven't known all year what our strongest 11 is. So, you know, for us to speculate, a problem and going into playoffs. That's a problem, right? Like that, you want to have that that tried and true starting eleven guys that know their role and know their positions and know the game plan. I don't think anyone did the game plan. Yeah, um, 
it it was a disaster class. So, final question: Do we get through in your guys's eyes starting next Sunday? I do believe we're at four o'clock. So, I think I think if we win this next game, which I think is a possibility, I do think we have a chance. Um, I think going to Kansas City is going to be hard, um, but I'm hoping that, like I was just saying, like we have some fire in our ass because we just played so poorly that these guys actually show up to this game. But like, I think, I think if it comes back to city park, we have a really good chance. If I'm being honest. Yeah. I want to say yes. Cause obviously like I'm a fan, I just like have nothing to convince me that that's I, the case, which sucks. But like, that's my truth. Um, getting played off the park 4-1 in the manner that they did. And I also, bro, when Tim Parker scored, I was like, we're so back. Like, we're so back. We're going to win. That Uh, was the hardest I've celebrated any goal at Tim Park this year. It it was mental. That's how you respond. And then just after that. I want to say, no, we don't. I think, I think we go, I think we go 0 and 2 and that's it till next season. I don't know. You can. You guys made arguments for both, and I want us to win so bad. But yesterday was. It, it wasn't like yesterday was was bad. Kind of like what Hen said was bad, but there's something to take away and improve on the next day. It was just like Horrible. so bad that you. Yeah, it's it's kind We're of a combination of what we've all said. Like, like how do you how do you come back from a game like that? Like when I don't know. Like. What did what did United change after they lost to Liverpool seven nil? And not not in a dig way, but like genuinely, like when when a team yeah. loses, like like in such a bad way, like obviously they straight they up. made a run toward like right towards the end of the year or you know into top four. Like, how does an MLS team do that with guys that are way less experienced? Can they do that? Yeah, especially going to an away game. I don't know. If I remember correctly. They went next game unchanged. Yeah, they went exactly unchanged. They they put out the exact same eleven, and that can't happen. Result. Yeah, it can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Ten Hag, cool. Ten Hag, no. Man United. Yeah, yeah. They um, yeah they they know their best players. We don't. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I I think uh, Nick's take is the best. I think. I think it's hard for us to lose two games at home. So I do I do agree that if we win next Sunday, I think we get out of this round. I don't think we win next Sunday. To be totally honest, transparent, truthful, not one redeeming quality out of yesterday. Um, and- I agree, and I literally think the only thing I'm hanging on is for like the kick in the ass. Like that's literally the only thing I'm holding on. Yeah. I mean, that's all, that's like the only call. thing that we can. Yeah. Like but what it I, will, I saw... do, what it will do though, is like, it, I think it'll really tell us a lot about like the, dogs the gutsiness, are. like the gutsiness of our team. Like, you know, we, we, we seen teams in every single other major sport where they go, you know, they win the conference, they they top of the table going to the playoffs and they get bounced first round. It happens all the time. Like and with those teams, you see like, you know, the the blues forever were that. They they'd win the trophy every year for like being the best team in the regular season. They'd lose first round of playoffs. Like 
is what it is. But like, yeah, you learn a lot about the fight of a team when it gets to that playoff season. When the Blues won the Stanley Cup, they were the worst team in the NHL. That's that's the thing, though. Across all sports, it's more about who gets hot at the right time. Totally. Right. Like super sick that we won the league our first year. Sorry. Won won the, the division the first year. But yeah, like the Kings winning the cup that one year, they were, they like squeaked in. I think they were like a wild card team or something like that. It's one of those things where it's like, would we rather have won the division our first year or win the MLS cup our first year? Like, I think, yeah, we, we got comfortable winning a lot and then decided to start switching things up. And then things started going downhill so quick that, you know, we somehow hung on to our spot, but. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah. We, we might have peaked too early. I think we peaked too early. Um, I did leave the stadium a little bit early. I did not make it 90 minutes. I would just like the record to know I'm not <laughs> the best fan out there, but I was we all, we all want the We all want the team to win, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's I no doubt in that. I was physically ill, and I'm going to be physically ill until Sunday when they – Get back out at Sporting Kansas City. I have seen a lot of internet uh, of people saying that they're going, and we're gonna, you know, have a definitely a good showing of red in that stadium yet again. But we'll uh, we'll drop that for the time being, and hope that we come back on better circumstances next week. So we'll roll into the weekly recap of the Premier League. The first game was Tottenham and Crystal Palace, which felt like lads. A whole ass week ago, like Friday, <laughs> we Spurs played a Monday and then a Friday game, which is insane scheduling in the first place. Um, but they went away to Crystal Palace, and uh, after a really frustrating first half, I think just a lackluster, not great performance, they did end up uh, pulling it off with uh, an own goal and some really nice build up, some really nice build up play. Uh, via Ange Ball and Brendan Johnson, uh, uh, his first uh, assist. And Sonny is continuing his uh, player of the year campaign with, I think it's his seventh, is it eighth goal? Big words there, bro. Big words. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm throwing out there, I, and I've let everyone know. I was like, he's making a campaign to be that guy. Um, but I, the, what, what I heard, or what I heard, what I learned from this one specifically is that it's another one of those games where they didn't look super great. Um, the you know you know the game plan, you know what they're going to try and do, and you know with what we've seen from Ange, they don't back down from it at all. Hmm. Knock knock, Carnell. Um, but they didn't play great, and they still pulled out the result. Like these are just the games that continually over the years I've watched them lose or draw or just show up and not play well. Um, but it was never a lack of effort. It was never a lack of fight. They they really do go all 90 minutes, and we've seen them win uh, multiple games in stoppage time this year. So um, I, I don't have a, I didn't I didn't have a ton from this one. I'm really excited to see uh, some of the youth and you know people that will come in and start playing more. But it also exposes the fact that Tottenham's really not d- deep at this point. When we lose Sar and Basuma for Afcon in January, 
We're gonna be we're gonna be stretched for players. We're gonna be watching Hoiberg and Skip. Um, but Benton Kerr making his return uh, from last February and an ACL injury is also awesome. Most of I think he's I think he's a fucking dog. I yeah, think he's an absolute he's so fun dog. To watch. dog. He's so fun to watch, and uh, you know I think the injury was super unfortunate because we would have seen him grow into just a ridiculous player. So now it's about you know making making the bounce back. A lot of guys don't come back the way that they were before major injuries like that. So you know I have nothing but hope and excitement for him and what that midfield could seriously look like if he gets back to his best. I think is top three in the league. It's just absolutely disgusting. But um, yeah. We'll uh we'll 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 brush on from that one, but uh, on the other side of London, we did not have a great result. It was zero nil to Chelsea, two to Brentford away uh, <laughs> at the Sanford Bridge, and uh, yeah, you know, Nikki, I'll just I'll just let you hop in. I did watch a little bit of the highlights and, and got an idea, but um, go ahead. Yeah. Um... Not really much to talk about. I think it's. I'm a broken, I'm a, I'm a broken, sure, boy. I'm a, I'm a broken. I, well, I think it's. I'm a broken record at this time. We don't play well against these sides. Um, I was telling Hoover before the pod. I did the math and I looked it up. We had, and this is this is the little small positive I had because the first twenty minutes of the game. We looked very good. We had nine shots on goal in the first, or not shots on goal. We had nine shots and chances created <laughs> in the first 20 minutes. We had a ball hit the post. I was feeling good. But as the time goes on and as we don't see the ball find the net, it continues to happen where the other team builds confidence. And it was the craziest part was the announcers even called it. Like they were like, as. Chelsea continues to allow them to stay in this game. They're going to find a goal, and that's exactly what happened. They found a goal, then they sat in a low block the entire rest of the game. The second the second goal was a wide-open net because we had Sanchez all the way forward on a uh, corner kick, and they had a wide-open breakaway, and they scored. So it was really a 1-0 game, but like it's, it's a tale old as time, and I feel like a broken record now. And the only bright spot that I saw was in that first 20 minutes – and, like, I know you guys will even bash it because it was only 20 minutes. But, like, Cole Palmer, I love him. He played in he played in the cam role for us. And I think he really opened us up for only that 20 minutes because I think the rest of the game we were just not really creating any chances. Um, they were getting a lot more chances on us. And you could literally see the game just completely shift um, as the time went on. And um, it's not fun to see. The other thing I'll say is Enzo wasn't in the lineup because he just had um, – a baby boy, I believe. Um, so congrats to him. He just had a baby. So that's why he was not at the game. Um, and then shout out Enzo Fernandez. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Enzo. Congrats. Every weekly game. listener, we're happy to have him. <laughs> Sorry. As a dad, I'm like, congrats, fuckers. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I don't really know what else to say. I'm, I'm hoping we play Tottenham next week, which top of the league and i think we play better against better competition so um hopefully we turn the page past this performance and move forward i think embuemo is a player though I, at the end of the day embuemo's good he he did yeah. he looked really good in that embuemo might fuck around and get himself a big transfer 
he could get he could get out of Brentford. I don't. Brentford's an interesting one because they always find these guys, and then they always just stay consistently okay. <laughs> okay enough to be relevant. okay enough, you know, yeah. and then they lose a guy. But uh, uh, yeah, that was a tough one. I also saw uh, another thing. Actually, I, Brentford's just TikTok was clowning yeah. Chelsea online, yeah. which was which was some top tier banter. But they have won as many. Uh, was it as many games at Sanford Bridge since April as Chelsea? Yeah, <laughs> which is two. Yep. So that was, that was another thing that like you could you could see it at, like and hear it at the bridge like as the time yeah as the time passed you could hear it in the crowd people starting to moan and like it was just so obvious like I I hate it yep and they do face uh, Spurs next which will be an interesting one granted uh, the Pochettino situation very true uh, he's gonna get booed and it's gonna be awesome and I'm gonna eat that up. But uh, <laughs> continuing on to the other side of North London, where they took on little old Sheffield. Little old Sheffield. And this guy who I still don't think is going to be a starting striker uh, in the Premier League did have a hat trick. Eddie Nketiah played pretty well um, on, on Saturday. So go ahead and take us through that, Winksy. I don't know. Tim Sherwood said he could start for Manchester United right now. So. Oh, Tim Sherwood. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, he might be able to. I was I about to know. say, I think he wrote a bad shot. I mean, he could probably play left wing there right now, too. Yeehaw. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that Sheffield had like two shots on goal, neither on target. Felt like a practice game. Um, yeah, in Ketty's Hattie, that's like five goals in, in his 10, 10 games in the Prem this season. His third goal was an absolute missile. I don't know if you guys saw it that. It was a missile. Yeah, but he, really. he, yeah, he received the ball with his back to the goal from uh, from Smith Rowe and turned and just like hit it harder than I've seen him hit a ball. Not <laughs> that he's had like that kind of chance really in the past. I feel like more of his opportunities are inside the 18. Um, but beautiful turn. Sheffield defenders didn't really step up quickly and he just absolutely laced it. Um, you should definitely look it up on Twitter if you haven't. But yeah, I f- after all the criticism he gets from from like fans and media, I think that this was a great way to step up with with Gabby Jesus getting injured midweek. And genuinely, he's got great numbers in terms of goals per ninety. I think it's like point five five or point five four something like that. But I think I think for him, some sort of run of games is due. So he can kind of build confidence when we play better opponents than uh, than a JV team. And I and I again I know it was Sheffield at home, but he genuinely scored all three of his goals like a natural striker should score his goals. Um, can confirm his third goal was a banger. Just was looked a it up. that was disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah, Declan and and Smith Rowe both had assists. Tommy Yasu got his first Arsenal goal which was just fucking awesome because everybody loves that guy. Um, Very well-deserved. And I think overall, kind of like one of those... One of those games where we we haven't had a blowout in in recent games like that, and so it's one of those that are a good confidence builder, good to get a lot of players involved in scoring chances that don't necessarily get to normally. So it was much needed, but um, other than that, there's not much to say. Declan... 
makes his return to London Stadium on Wednesday for a Carabao Cup match against West Ham. Can't imagine he gets anything less than a standing ovation there. And then we visit St. James on Saturday to play the Toonies. So, the only a couple thing fun was, games coming up. West Ham's lost like their last three. So, the only thing I was no way he gets booed. The only thing I was going to say, was, you're on crack. I know. <laughs> was I think it was a big statement game for you guys after you guys had what you claim to be a stinker of a game against Chelsea. Um, what everyone but you claim five. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's like one of those things that well, we played you guys and then we and then we won our Champions League game midweek, so it's we had that as as a buffer, but definitely in terms of Prem games specifically, it was a good good bounce back, good statement game and exactly what what should have happened against a team that's going to get relegated at the end of the year. Um Yeah, that's so, Sheffield's got nothing. Yeah. So we, you know, we just got to in those kind of games, you just got to go out there and get the job done, and we did that. So, would you say you're in a title race? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, we're what? What are we? How many games into the season? Couple. Ten. Ten. So, I mean, two points off the top. Yeah. I mean, what's? I I haven't even looked at the table. <laughs> That's hilarious. In the last couple of days. I would say I am not in a title race. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I mean, ten ten games into the season. You know, I think that a lot of teams can still be in the title race. Yeah, definitely with Man City dropping points here and there too. Um, but we but do... it's crazy in the in the sorry to interrupt in the sports oh, books. Good. Most of the sports books still have City. Oh, I yeah, favorite yeah. to win. <laughs> I think no way Tottenham does it. No, I don't know. I think Tottenham's third yeah. in a lot of books. Sure. Be time to might have to invest. Plus money. <laughs> you got to do it, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I like money. <laughs> so we uh, we move on. Arsenal sits in their favorite place on the table at second. For, uh, nice. The that is being. good. Tottenham sits in an yes. unfamiliar spot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Extremely bitch. Well done. Uh, so uh, we had Liverpool a drubbing of Forest. Uh, I watched a little bit of the game, turned it off for two minutes, and missed two goals. So <laughs> I don't have too much of an interpretation myself. But I did watch Matt Turner get just completely lost in no man's land, about twenty yards out of his own box, missed the ball, landed to uh, I don't even remember who it was, one of Liverpool's guys, and tapped it in from range, and he did not look good. So. Um, uh, T's and P's to Matt Turner and hopes <laughs> that he turns that back around. He's been a pretty consistent starter for them. So yeah, you take uh, that one off, man. Hope, hoping to see him jump back. T's and P's. So um, the last game of the weekend and really the marquee match, I think we would all say, depending on who you ask, maybe uh, was United <laughs> versus Manchester City and. Dobes, in his own words, told us to put the mortgage on Manchester City, that which I did, and I would like to thank Mr. Connorson Dobry for that insight. But we will let the <laughs> other resident United fan who's on the pod today kind of, you know, sift us through that one hand. It it may have been expected, but like, yeah, what do we think? Um, I don't know if that counts as insider trading, but I feel like that's what sucks, uh, for him to, to give that information. And as long as we're throwing T's and P's around, I'll take some T's and P's. From yeah, you can, get some. you can get this. Um, 
the right off the bat um the the lineup bro uh so some of them some of it is a factor of injuries is what it is you can only play the guys that you have available um but i think i think that ten hog just got this one wrong man and i am a massive fan of ten hogs i really like him a lot i like his philosophy um but something isn't quite clicking this season um between the whether it's the personnel or just like the way that he's trying to get them to play uh it's not working um i thought that uh very few guys could hang their head high after that game um and to be honest with you i think hoyland was one of them again that that played pretty well i think the penalty that got given against rodri uh that holland ended up scoring was the most bullshit penalty i think we've seen Certainly this season, certainly this season, um, for those of you that didn't watch the game, uh, during a corner kick or maybe it was a free kick. I don't remember which Hoyland was marking up Rodri and, um, had his hands on him just like every single corner and free kick happens in soccer. And Rodri went to the ground and they didn't call anything, but then they VAR'd it and went back and called the penalty. And I think every single person watching that game right away, I mean, even in our group chat, like none of you were Manchester United fans and all of you were like, that's bullshit. That's such a soft, a soft call. That's hard to see. Um, but, you know, from the get go. Yeah, because what are you oh, supposed yeah. to do, bro? Like, you can't just like let the, like, I don't know. That that's tough. Right o- early in the game before the penalty happened, like we had a couple of opportunities, like breaks on the counter where McTominay could have slotted in Hoyland like off to the right for not a tap in, but a pretty high percentage shot, and he just chose not to. Still wanted to be the goal scorer, um, but it, it's hard to look at the lineup and and say that Ten Hag got this one correct. Evans and Maguire, unfortunately, that's a little bit of who we have right now. Whether Varane's fully back and fit or not, no one really knows but that's who we have but Lindelof out on the left and not playing Serge Reguillon is I don't understand that at all playing McTominay as a 10 does not make sense at all like I just I'm having a hard time understanding the decision making this season um as a whole and I I think when I look at it, we're still sitting in eighth and we're a couple points off of, you know, being in that top four spot. So, like, it's not like full panic button, but like, what the fuck did we buy Mason Mount for? Like, he can't get on the field and we spent all that money. And like, I don't think that Mason Mount is a bad player. I don't like but like it just makes no sense, you know. Like if he can't get on the field for these big games, and we're playing McTominay's a ten, we're not even putting Mason Mount out there. What are we doing? And then you pull off Amrabat at halftime and put Mount on, and then it's like, what is the balance of this team? Anytime I see Bruno on the right, I just automatically kind of chalk it up to we're not taking all three points because it just doesn't make any sense. But I. Again, it's hard to like look at this lineup and look at the bench players available and say like I would have brewed up a different concoction of players, but like I think in in this setting like the loyalty to playing like McTominay as a 10 or him on the field at all or whatever it may be, it's just I just can't understand it why we're not playing Bruno in the middle playing Garnacho as a starter. Once once Man City got that first goal, I think it was, you know, 
all all hands off. Um, we literally didn't have another chance on goal the rest of the game after they got that first goal. It was at least competitive the first little bit, but yeah, it kind of went the way that we all thought that it was going to go. Um, and it's just not not a good look, man. Like we're playing terribly. We're playing a terrible brand of football, and none of our players are really like stepping up. Onana's had a good last two or three games, so like shout out to him. But like other than that, we're just not we're not doing it right now. I think it. You you say you, you point out the like decision making because from my point of view, or what I guess I thought from a neutral was that he really was going to bring back that United way thing that you guys have. And it was the discipline and the showing up to meetings on time and the training hard and the being a good person. Like, I, you know, the, the Fergie type um, mystic that you guys have when you were at your best. So I, I still feel like he's doing some of that, but then when the results and the decisions that he's making on the field aren't matching that style of system behind the scenes, I think that causes fraction. Like I, I, I think that uh, can can tear apart a squad with you know lesser um, mentally tough guys probably that don't want to deal with this anymore. It's not working. We're not getting results. Um, do you do you feel that that could be happening or that that may play a role in the future? Do you see him staking around for a while? I think we're at this like. I think we're at this crossroads, to be honest with you. And I think, like, I hate to say this because I don't have any faith in it, just from what we've seen historically over the last 12 years. I think this January window and this upcoming summer window, like, I don't think Ten Hag's going anywhere before the end of the season. Like, I just don't. I don't I don't think that we as a club could afford it. Like, literally, like, I don't think we have the money to, like, pay him off or anything. Um but January, we get some reinforcements. So, like, I look at this starting lineup and the back four, arguably, I think this would be harsh on Delo, but arguably, this is our backup or third string back four. Like, we have Shaw and Malasia, who both haven't played this season because of injuries um, as our left back. We have Regulon, who we bought, who's still, like, recovering. And then we have Lindelof, so fourth choice left back. We have Evans and Maguire, who we well know are, like, fifth and sixth choice center back in low is your number one or number two, depending on who you ask. And then you look in the midfield, Amrabat, Erickson, McTominay, like, not our first choice center midfielders. But, like, those guys, Amrabat, I think, has a chance uh, Erickson's fine to bring off the bench, but you can't start him against City. Like, it's just, it's not the game for it. So I think if we get some reinforcements in January, we might be able to bring in some talent and might be able to do some of that stuff. But like, I don't know, man. Like, I I agree with you that when like the off-field stuff isn't matching the on-field stuff, it's never going to work out. But like, Ten Hag's got to figure some shit out. Like, he really does. Um, because if it continues like this all throughout the rest of the season... He's not going to find himself in a in a contract extension anytime soon. Nope, I would agree with you. Um, and I don't know, man. I think you're right about the like not being able to afford it. Maybe not literally, but like, what what do you do if you do fire him? Who comes in? Who do you get there? What turns around? What changes? Like, like I mean, genuinely, like, and I'll just call a shout out from the rafters. I think they go for Michael Carrick, who's been yeah. doing a great job with Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough. But like, 
I think that that's what they do because I think that that would be like a quote unquote safe bet or they take a shot on Wayne Rooney at Birmingham City who's lost three games in a row since coming back to Birmingham who was terrible at DC United. So like, you know, like I I think that's what Frank baby. No, like I I think it would be Carrick or Rooney or, you know, one of those guys. But I mean, it might be fucking Graham Potter. Dude, I don't know. But like the, the thing is like, I want to see this team team win. Obviously, like I support them through and through, um, but they've just been like so dreadful this season. They haven't played a good brand. And I agree with you. Like last year, I know Dobes kind of got some shit for it last week when he was saying that we were one of the best teams in the world, like for a period of time last season. But we really were. We were putting in performances. We were winning convincingly. Like we were playing a brand of football where you were really like, we are back as fuck. And then like, kind of after that period was over, we ended the season pretty shaky. And then this season we've never gotten started. So it's been a pretty tumultuous last uh, couple of months for us, but it's just tough, man. It is tough. Uh, I would know. I share sympathy <laughs> with both you and Nick. So, um, yep. They wrap up in the eighth spot. You said, uh, so yeah, we'll just have to take a look to next week and we will cover those games yet again. So rounding it out, we had some world football worth noting some news and notables. Uh, Jude Bellingham. Truth. Oh, fuck, bro. Word. Absolute truth. I've seen some, I've seen some, I saw one, I don't know who sent it in, what group message. I think I've seen it so many times. Um, but the statement that I saw that I kind of almost agree with now is, Messi and Ronaldo are kind of giving up their throne as the best or in the names of football. And I think Jude Bellingham is taking it by the freaking reins and kind of running with it right now. Because boy, is he incredible to watch right now. To set the scene, he scored a double in the Classico away from home. 20 years old. Barcelona. 20 years old. Man has the everything. The persona. Like... Him going forward is like fun to watch. Like I, I like him a lot. We did a we did a factor cap or like a something like that. Like last season where we talked about uh, if Jude Bellingham will ever win a Balloon d'Or, and you can go back on that. You know how I feel about him. You yep. can go back on that podcast. I said no because he was like that guy he ran the midfield he did all that but the balloon door is turning into like this goal scores competition like who scores the most goals who does all of that stuff and i was like no he's just not that kind of player and this year he's fucking proving me wrong but i think he's putting the world on watch that he really is that guy he's playing a completely different position for real madrid than he's been playing for dortmund in england and um he's doing it with the best of them i mean 14 goals in 14 games yeah, and then attacking a couple of assists in there, and you got yourself a full – like I, the stat that I read is he he's played um, I think like uh, – yeah, 14 games so far this season. He's been man, man of the match in 10 of them. 10. Which is like literally slightly ridiculous. under Messi numbers when he was at Barcelona. Like I mean that that's ridiculous. And his, his second goal – the game winner is like kind of what we've seen from him all season, popping up in the right space at the right time, not giving up on a play, like knowing where to go. But that first goal was like, you have no right shooting that, that ball. Like, I mean, 
yeah, arguably one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the world right now, just bombs it from from outside the box. So, I mean, I, I think that if if people aren't like you, you mentioned earlier that Sonny's in his like, you know, player of the year campaign right now. I think Jude Bellingham's yeah. in a balloon door campaign right now. Uh, yeah. Like I think and again, it's early doors, like it's you know, a couple of games into the season, but like he if he continues this, like it's gonna be hard to ignore. Because even like Holland has had two, so I think he's a. I think he's on eleven goals right now in ten games, which technically is a better return than Jude is. But he's not doing what Jude Bellingham's doing. Like it, it's just different, different impact, different games, different gravy. Uh, different gravy. gravy. I, yeah, he he's the truth, fellas, and I'm glad that we've been on the wave on this podcast uh, for a while now. But man's the truth. You, uh, I think we are safe in saying that, you know, Holland would have won the Ballon d'Or this year had not Messi not existed, which yeah. was leading into our next segment of Messi winning the Ballon d'Or, eighth GOAT, best of yeah. all time. So, if he does, if he's not in it, Holland wins this one. And I think there it, it wasn't really a competition for second either this year. I don't envision many years in the future where there's going to be a, 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 you know, dead – set number one uh jude you're right jude's making that case like he wasn't gonna win it this year that just wasn't what he was doing but to to turn it around and play like you said in this you know more advanced like free position he's taking it and running and you're right he is he is more complete than holland holland may score billion goals but this guy's doing it on and off the ball front and back both sides of it like we need to reverse this goal scoring Mm-hmm. or type you know that's why there's phenomenon. a top striker in the world award exactly exactly he reminds me of zidane and it makes me so happy yeah it's kind of crazy like i think zidane is slightly more shifty and jude's a little bit more powerful i agree with like that. the mentality the like persona on the field the goals he's scoring i mean like He's even adding like footwork to his game that you're like, where the fuck did that come from? There's like one one in particular. I think we've all seen the clip where he like picks up the ball like with his back on the touchline. He does like a drag, then a step over, and then like a kind of like a whatever the fuck, like the Iniesta croquetta move. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, what? Like, where did you pick that up? Like, <laughs> and then, yeah, you just watch every interview with him, and he's just like a twenty out of ten of like giving all of the credit to his teammates and how he just wants to learn and wants to try his hardest. And you're like, dude, you can also yeah. the passion he has for Real Madrid, like already is just yeah. you can see it. And I think like as a club, as a person who's missing that in their club, like seeing that from Jude, like it's like dang, like I really wish like. There was someone on my team that was doing that. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, to round it out, Messi does win his eighth Ballon d'Or and is the first ever professional player in the MLS to have <laughs> a Ballon d'Or. So if he doesn't win the World Cup, in my opinion, I don't think he does it. I agree. But the way that he did win the World Cup and in the fashion that he carried Argentina uh, at 36 years old, is just reaffirming the goat status. There's just, there's just no other way. In my opinion, it's been done. The argument's over. 
Signed, sealed, delivered. This will be his last bone to or I, There's just no way he wins another one. You know, he's not going to play in another World Cup to carry them through to be able to have that kind of level of performance yeah. to, to vouch for that. So I think we're seeing the swan song of uh, the Messi-Ronaldo era, which is sad because that was literally our entire lives. Our entire lives. Um, <laughs> but you're right. It's exciting to see Jude, Mbappe, um, you know, Erling's going to be up there. I'm sure that freaking... Viking alien. Yeah. Guys, a guys, a freak, but I, I like these new guys that are coming up too. So we just, uh, change how we feel about it. And yeah, Nick, what you got? The only thing I was going to say, one thing I don't like about the balloon and I wish they would change is like that. You already know who's going to win it before based on who's in attendance. Like I really wish they like wouldn't tell anyone Everyone shows up and like they announce the winner, like or like Fabrizio tweets it, you know, a yeah, week before, before, and you're like, yeah, he he all but confirmed it online, like, you know, yeah, uh, I wish a lot of people were hyped well, for us to watch the show, yeah, so we can figure out who's gonna win. I mean, we all knew a lot, of, a lot more people. I think in today's age, are they don't really validate the Blown Door quite as much as we used to because. You know, we've seen everything with FIFA and, and politics in general that it all just ends up being a cash grab anyway. So um, some of that devalues, but I, I still think it's fitting and fair for Messi to win this one. And yeah, we're going to see a new cream of crop. Um, for our 10-minute segment here, though, that we are going to wrap up with, we are going to go in a short circle here, and we are going to talk about our most notable Ballon d'Or snubs. So that is who got who came in second place that should have come in first. Um, and or I'm sure that we'll have some we should have won one or just someone. Yeah. Someone within a year that had a good run that may have should have, you know, been higher than they were. Uh, I, I you know, quick shout to Harry Kane, who was what <laughs> was the 18th in the voting this year. And he scored how many goals in the premier league? Like that's disrespectful, but um, you know, so we'll, we'll start here. Who, who's got one that wants to go off the rip. I can go. Um, Hit it. To be fair, I think I've I've stated this statement many times in the podcast, and um, I still firmly believe it. I think all defenders get snubs from the balone. I don't think they're ever really looked at, and I think they're the most important. Um, Tiago Silva. Um, it will not be Tiago Silva. <laughs> um, my answer is Sergio Ramos. Um, I think he was snubbed of maybe even two balone d'Ors for um, when he was. Like when Spain was winning the Euros, he was winning La Liga and the Champions League all at the same time. And he was captaining both sides. Like I just I was shocked that at one point he never won a balloon during those years. Um, And to be fair, I'm also a huge Sergio Ramos fan. So that's also why I may be a little bit biased. Um, But yeah, that's my pick because I definitely think one defender's deserve more credit in these in this award. Um, And I also think Sergio Ramos's years. and his prime were incredible. I agree with the defender uh, aspect there for sure. And I would say, you ask any Liverpool fan in the world, uh, in 2019, Lionel Messi should not have had that uh, Ballon d'Or. It was Big Verge in their eyes. So uh, people would agree with you. Hen, Winks? I'm going to take um, another... Or uh, an even more obvious one in the the COVID nineteen Dior in twenty twenty, uh, Robert Lewandowski. I think it's still unbelievable to football fans 
everywhere that that the awards were canceled knowing that that guy was an absolute lock just uncontested um you know the goals it's a good shout that that was their that was their trouble year um you know records showing up in big games complete player i think that what makes this the biggest snub is because the awards were canceled um i think that you know this year's a good example of that but in terms of people getting snubbed, you know, a lot of times we're able to make arguments for why the guys that won the award did win. Um, in the case of this year, you know, several people thinking Erling Holland should have won and, and us being able to make a case for, for why Messi clearly deserved it. Um, but that year there's no, there's yeah. no way to justify it. It was, you know, just because he got canceled and I, and at that point, so you're that like canceled. <laughs> At that point, when it got canceled, I think that Lewandowski. When I was when I was reading up about you know some more in depth statistics to kind of back up my argument, I think that at that point in the season when um, when it got canceled, Lewandowski had like twenty one more goals than Messi at that point, which is just bonkers. So you know, for me, we we've all always been big been big fans of Lewa. And just know how he's absolutely one of one of the greatest strikers of all time. And so for him to not be able to win the awards because they were canceled that year, but still somehow win the striker of the year award, which didn't get canceled, yeah, is beyond me. And you know we we feel for him that that he wasn't able to win that. That one almost felt personal. Like it did. Yeah. it's almost it like so they weird. didn't give the award because they didn't want to give it to Lewandowski. Yep. It yeah. was so obvious and everyone in the world and Messi said it at the following year. So, so many conference. big names were, you know, big, big players passed him. Yeah. They, they, Messi literally in his speech was like, this is yours. Like, this is your, you know, bone door lever because, you know, you were, you were owed yours last year. But, yeah. and who you got? My, mine's kind of like a, a, a weird thing. Um, and I've seen so many people like debate like the Balloon Day or in general of like, are they the best player in the world or is it the best season or whatever? It's, it's truly like how you want to define it. And I'm going to be extremely biased here. Um, in 2018, when Luka Modric won. <laughs> what? Go ahead. Uh, when Modric won the World Cup, uh, or excuse me, when he won the Balloon d'Or, he won the Champions League um, with Real Madrid, which obviously he's not the only person that did that. There's plenty of people that did that. And then he went to the finals of the World Cup. He had a good tournament. But when you look at his body of work through the entire season, that was like also now the Balloon d'Or is like calendar year. It's January 1st to December yeah. 31st, who has the best year. Um Back then, it was like season. So, like when you look at that whole season as a whole, Modric should not have the best season of everyone in the world. And when you like the people that finished behind him, like Griezmann finished like third, Mbappe was second, Messi was fifth, or Ronaldo was second. Sorry, Mbappe was third, Griezmann was fourth, Messi was fifth. You could have real realistically put any one of them above Modric in that, and I would have understood, but. Uh, this is where the bias comes in. Messi got robbed that season. If you don't remember, that was like one of the first seasons of Barcelona being an absolute shit show. 
Um, Barcelona was terrible that season. And if you haven't, I would just encourage you to go back and watch Messi highlights from the 2018 season. Some of the things he was doing and carrying a team of you, by the way, you couldn't even name their starting 11 from that season. Was Adar Turan? Yes. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it was that level of bad. And he was doing some things that we've never even seen in the game before or since then. He has been the best player in the world since he started back in 2004. But like that was one of the seasons in particular that I was like, the winner didn't make sense. And him not even being on the podium also makes zero sense. Yeah. And that was mine. I was going oh, to I was gonna say that Cristiano was robbed. Yeah, because, fair. Because in the same same side of the token, he was absolutely balling. Um, and it was simply just that World Cup performance that bought him that Ballon d'Or. And and I, I know Jacob Krupp. I've talked to him about it, too. Felt like a pity thing. Felt yeah, like totally. kind of like a, we totally. need to break the streak. You know, Luka was great. He was on a, a lesser, you know, not nearly as strong Croatian side and just kind of carrying them uh, all the way to the World Cup final. So, yeah, I agree. And then, you know, just devil's advocate, Erling Haaland, Erling, Erling Haaland, dear Lord. Erling Holland, um, you could you could say he's a snub. You, you, we can't deny what Messi did. Yeah, but to have broken the single season Premier League record for goals and score fifty six some odd goals all competitions over the course of the year, and to not win the Ballon d'Or, that's pretty insane. And the treble, and the treble, regardless of of how you look at it. Right. Um, totally. I don't think in the circumstances I, I'm okay with Messi getting it. Same. Um, I think we're every on the other same year on that. Every other year, I think he wins it. Uh, he, he has to. There's just no other way. Yeah, but but I al- I also think that like I think the the part of Messi's season that's getting undervalued is his season with PSG. Like, yes, they didn't like, go very wow. far. Like, they didn't go very far in the Champions League, but like they won the league, and then he also, uh, by the way, balled out. With goals and assists. Yep. Yeah. Like, I mean, it it wasn't like he just had a bad season. Like, I mean, his his campaign with, yeah, with PSG was disgusting. Yeah, but anyone breaks the Premier League single season goal record, it's like, what? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's just bonkers. Um, And to not be acknowledged, well, he was acknowledged. He's the top striker. But, um, yep, pretty wild. But. That wraps us up for today. I don't think I got anything else. You guys got anything else? No, Last no. thoughts? Follow us on TikTok. Follow us <laughs> on TikTok. Hit us up on the socials. We are pumping out some content. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next one for some more interesting banter and conversations. Thanks again for tapping in. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Cheers, boys.